Pushkin. You can find inspiring stories almost anywhere. For instance, check out the co-founders of Girls Who Do Interiors. This Miami-based design company was started by three friends when they were still in school. And right from the start, they turned to Chase for Business for everything from banking and payment acceptance to credit cards. And they handled them all in one place with the Chase mobile app. It's so important to have that kind of help when you're just starting out. Learn more at chaseforbusiness.com. Make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank, N.A. member FDIC. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is Accelerating Innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. I'm Michelle McPhee. My story, The Mobster and the Mormon, is in the November issue of Los Angeles Magazine and is the story of the week. Every occupation has a spectrum between those who do the real work and those who don't. There are Navy SEALs and then there's the U.S. Navy's official singing group, the Sea Chanters. They are good. In journalism, I'm the sea chanter, and the Navy SEAL is Michelle McPhee. Michelle and I started our careers at exactly the same time. The very summer I was interning at Newsweek reporting on what new slang the college kids were using, she was at the Boston Globe covering the mob. And during that summer, in the middle of the day, a mobster walked up to her and held her at gunpoint. If that had happened to me, I would have immediately walked away and started applying to law school as soon as I changed my pants. Instead, she stayed in journalism and went on to cover some crazy stories. Like she snuck into mob boss John Gotti's wake by putting on high heels and red lipstick and dressing like what she calls a gumada. Whereas I'm such a wimp, I don't even feel comfortable saying that word on this podcast. She also chased around Gianni Versace's killer in South Beach. And she had this dicey encounter on a dirt road in the South with a KKK. The diciest encounter I've ever had was on a red carpet with Dr. Oz when he tried to smell my butt. Which is why Michelle delivered this insane story and why I'm making a podcast about it.
Writing is hard, who's got that kind of time When you're already busy trying to be Joe Stein So he turns on a mic, maybe twiddles a knob Calls a journalist friend who's got an actual job Auditory, single story, just listen to smart people speak Conversation filled with information, it's the story of the Michelle McPhee's article is a mob story, but it's about a mob I never knew existed. In fact, two of them. It is so nice to meet you. I'm so excited to talk to you because you are a real badass, like what you picture a newspaper reporter to be like. Like, I'm scared of you. Well, a lot of people are scared of me, so I don't blame you. You wrote this amazing story in Los Angeles Magazine that um, I could not believe. Like, I didn't know any of this stuff. So you discover this incredibly complicated scheme that starts with this polygamous breakaway sect of Mormons that live kind of in Utah near Idaho called the Order, which I had never heard of. It's a very weird and very insular sect obsessed with the purity of their bloodline. Look, these are people who believe that they are direct descendants from Jesus Christ himself. Okay. So in order to keep this bloodline pure, they marry one another. So as a result, there is a lot of interfamilial marriage, um, child brides, allegations of sex abuse, and marrying young girls off to their much older uncles, and in some cases, even half-brothers. And they're, they're incredibly racist and misogynist, right? Well, this, the Southern Poverty Law Center said that they could teach the Ku Klux Klan a thing or two, which is saying a lot. The order was founded in 1935 by Eldon Kingston, who didn't feel like the Mormon church allowed enough wives. Through intermarriage, they now have more than 2,000 members, all of whom are related to each other in one way or another, or a third way, probably a fourth. The multiple wives have many multiple children, who then go and work for the order's multiple corporations. These include a cattle ranch, grocery store, there's a gun manufacturing company that Donald Trump Jr. has bought stuff from, but the order's main business is fraud. So the order's main enterprise is something they call bleeding the beast. And what that means is stealing from the government, which they view as reparations because the government has discriminated against them as polygamous. So they find a million uh. ways to scam the taxpayer and they thrive on it. And as the family grew, this empire grew, and now prosecutors believe that the Kingston clan, a.k.a. the order, is essentially its own criminal empire. So bleeding the beast is like they're just taking money from the government, right? So what they do is they take multiple wives, but the wives have made up last names so that they can oh. apply for welfare for their kids because the kids don't have a dad. But the dad, obviously, is a member of the order. I mean, it's ingenious, some of the things that they pull off. They're working polygamy in their favor. That's exactly what they're doing. They're if you're not going to let us be polygamous, then we're all single moms. We're all single moms. Jacob Kingston's the great-great-grandson of the founder of the order, which sounds like it would make him a big deal, but it did not because the founder has hundreds of great-great-grandchildren. Still, Jacob's father was the cult's enforcer, who meted out all the justice in the clan. This also would seem to make Jacob a big deal. It also did not. 
because his dad has 127 kids with 14 wives, some of whom were also Jacob's half-sisters. Despite not being at all special genealogically, Jacob was unusually smart and ambitious. He got a PhD in mechanical engineering from the University of Utah, and he decided to start a company at the order which would actually help the world, Biofuel. His company, Wakashi Renewable Energy, or WRE, cleaned cooking grease and turned it into biofuel for cars and trucks. Then he figured out how to use his company to bleed the beast. The federal government had just passed this green energy law offering a dollar for each gallon of cleaned biofuel, which was more lucrative than actually making biofuel. Especially, as Jacob learned, if you keep moving around the same biofuel all around the country, claiming that you cleaned it at each location. And then have your child labor force use their tiny little hands to fill out as many one-page forms to the government as possible. This was so successful that his company became a sponsor of the Utah Jazz. But Jacob's bringing all this money to the order, and he's still not getting any respect from the order. Right. Right? Like, like the, the order has this thing that I don't completely understand where they give you, they rank you, they give you numbers, kind of like uh, the PGA, right? Yeah. So like Paul, the prophet, obviously, I think was number one because he's the sure. prophet. Yeah. Then Daddy Daniel, I think, was three. And, and Jacob didn't even have a number. He didn't rank. Oh. He didn't even have a house. Of course, that was all before he became the Walter White of biofuel. He testified that he was living in an old, old cabin with rats and snakes with his first wife, Sally. And then he drove a Toyota Tercel at the time to visit his other two wives. Between the three wives, by the time Jacob Kingston was 36, he had 20 kids and 14 grandkids. Wow. That's a lot. That's a lot of mouths to feed. Think about it. It's even crazier. Like you, you look at how many siblings he has. He has 127. His dad has 127 kids. By the way, I don't even get the math on having 127 kids. Like, like that's Wilt Chamberlain kind of work, right? It, it really is. Honestly, I mean, this is kind of like, I think it's more kids than, you know, Larry Bird had shots in a way, which is astonishing. <laughs> that's the best Boston metaphor I've ever heard. <laughs> well, you'll hear a lot of Boston metaphors from me, <laughs> which I just want to give everybody a warning to the bad Boston Brooklyn accent that you have to tolerate. Oh, yeah. I haven't understood a third of what you've said. <laughs> you can just slow me down <laughs> at all points. Okay, so Jacob comes up with a way to steal even more money from the government, which he calls the plan. What motivates Jacob to make the plan? I think Jacob wanted to obviously ascend his status in the order. You know, his dad is a big shot. His uncle is a big shot. He is not a big shot. And, you know, the more money you bring into the order, the hotter your wives are. This is how basic it is. The more money you bring in into the order and the higher your status. Nothing like Los Angeles. <laughs> well, nothing at all. <laughs> exactly. And at some point, the plan gets so big and so successful that he wants to take it to the next level and he feels like he needs a partner. How does he go about finding someone to help him bring this, this scam to the next level? So Jacob testified that he had a sales guy who knew about this man in LA who was a energy titan. He was a kingpin of gas stations here in Los Angeles. And why would someone in the order know like someone in Los Angeles? Well, there was somebody who was actually legitimately in the fuel industry when there was a tiny oh. tinge of legitimacy to to WRE, as they called it. 
they needed partners to move the biofuel. And the salesperson knew about, you know, this energy titan. And his name was Lev Derman. Okay, so this is the guy everyone calls the Lion and seems to run the Armenian Mafia, which is this mob family in Los Angeles that I didn't even know existed. How, how does this guy become a mob boss? He had a pretty great immigrant success story. You know, he fled Armenia when he was 14 years old with his family. He enrolled in Hollywood High School. You know, he uh, got a part-time gig working at his family's gas station. And before you know it, this guy owned a string of gas stations, some trucking companies, and had some very high-ranking sources to protect him from any, you know, real law enforcement scrutiny. He's a billionaire by the time he's 30, right? Correct. Yeah, he's a billionaire. He's moving in very, very high-ranking circles. You know, he counts Tony Chapa, who was the assistant director of the Secret Service here in Los Angeles as a close friend. He's buddies with Lee Baca. He's running... Lee Baca was the sheriff of LA who was super corrupt, right? Well, I know he went to prison. So... The Lion has a bunch of people on his payroll that he calls the boys. Who are the boys? I mean, the boys are pretty extensive. He has the FBI agent. He has a Homeland Security investigations agent. He has Beverly Hills police officers who are working off duty, buddies with a sheriff. And that's not to mention all of the international connections he had in Belize and Turkey and other countries around the world. Okay, so he's leading this incredible life. You have these pictures of his private jet and his Bugattis. And they're all like these glowing gold colored things. Like like even Donald Trump would think they were tacky. His 50th birthday party, somebody gifted him a $2 million Bugatti, but they had live lions there to protect the Bugatti at this birthday party that took place at Universal Studios and one of the fancy hotels and everybody was there. And it was like a movie set. You know, they had live lions and models and the owner of Lamborghini actually broadcast from Italy into the party because he was also obsessed with Lamborghinis. Lions and Lamborghinis were Lev Derman's thing. And when Jacob finally gets this meeting with the lion, who he thinks can help him take his his scam, the plan, to the next level, like what's that meeting like? It doesn't seem like these two would want to go into business with each other. Well, Jacob described it on the stand. He said that he showed up in commerce, part of LA. So Jacob shows up. Here's this backwater guy and his wranglers. And he walks by the armed bodyguards and there's Lambo donut rings and the dirt outside. And he he walks by the two lion statues that sort of flank the doorway of this trailer, walks in. The furniture inside, he said, was made by Lamborghini. They got down to business. The lion said that he wanted to tour the WRE facility because the lion did have ways to move oil around and biofuel oh, around. He had oil companies. Yeah, he had oil companies. He had he had trucking companies, and he had roots, and he had access. Oh, so real? He was actually just a good business oil guy who was useful in that way. Plus, he had guys on his payroll in the FBI and the police who Jacob probably needed to pull off the scam. And that's exactly what Jacob really brought the line in for. It wasn't just for mm. his ability to move the product around. It was because of what he called the umbrella of protection. You know, what confuses me is why would the lion, who's already a billionaire, has got 
stuff going on in LA want to get involved with this racist polygamous sect that has child brides. Like I would just think this, he'd see these people and not want to get involved. Well, look, the lion was always on the lookout for a new opportunity and Jacob presented one. It was easy cash, easy flow. But I also think that he almost related to Jacob in a weird way, because remember, this is not a guy who came to the United States as a billionaire. He was a refugee from a dissolving Soviet Union country and he worked his way to the top. And I think he saw that in Jacob. Jacob came from these horrible circumstances in this racist polygamous cult. And he still made something of himself and got this doctorate degree. So I think that the lion appreciated, you know, the brains that Jacob brought to this operation. So I think, you know, they had this mutual respect. It was almost like an admiration. And as this friendship partnership grew, Jacob became more like the lion and the lion tried to take on some of Jacob's intellect. Okay, so eventually the lion comes to Utah to see Jacob and help him out with his like snake and rat house situation. And he decides to come on Pioneer Day, which is this Mormon holiday that celebrates their coming to Utah. Now, what is that meeting like? So they have, you know, parties all over Utah, parade floats and little girls wearing prairie dresses and talent shows and in a swimming hole and barbecues and piles of food and sister wives everywhere. Suddenly there's like the roar of a Lamborghini engine and this chrome Merciago comes into view on the scrubby grass. One blue alligator shoe comes out, out comes a stranger. Now remember... He's Armenian, so here's this dark-skinned guy. They don't have a lot of dark-skinned people around the order for obvious oh, they're, they're particularly they're, they're really racist, right? They're really racist. And they're very, okay. you know, they're very opposed to outsiders. They actually call other people outsiders. Yeah. So here comes this dark-skinned outsider. But what's really shocking is his passenger, who was Jacob Kingston. Now, remember, this Lambo is still surrounded by a gog children and people are snapping selfies and it looks like the spaceship. And it's this swarm of, you know, Kingstons. And the lion turns, he makes sure that everybody's watching. And he turns to Jacob and he says, hey, Jacob, tosses him the keys, it's yours. And the lion threw him a bone, threw him the keys to that Lambo and set him on his way to becoming a different person and to like bolstering his self-esteem but he created a monster with that move. Like that tossing of the Lambo keys, I think is the, what turned Jacob Kingston into a monster. When we come back, I'll make an inappropriate number of polygamy jokes. But first, a word from our sponsor about some amazing items that would make a great gift for your wife, no matter how many of them you have. Small business owners, this one's for you. Chase for Business and iHeart bring you a new podcast series called The Unshakables. This one-of-a-kind series will shine the spotlight on small business owners like you who faced a do-or-die moment that ultimately made their business what it is today. Join hosts Ben Walter, CEO of Chase for Business, and Tanya Nebo, a lawyer and business consultant, on these storytelling journeys of trials, tribulations, and triumphs that hinged on a single event, a split-second decision, or even a stroke of luck. Whether the story is about a warehouse going up in flames or a former partner stealing a whole roster of clients, each episode will showcase the grit, determination, and resourcefulness a small business owner needed to turn a pivotal situation into a springboard for success. 
Listen to The Unshakables now and learn more at chase.com slash business slash podcast. Chase, make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank, N.A., member FDIC. Copyright 2024, J.P. Morgan Chase & Company. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is accelerating innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com news. That's LifeLock.com news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. The lion had helped Jacob take Bleeding the Beast to a level that no one in the order could have ever imagined. So at the height of the scam, how much money are they making? So when it was all said and done, they had $511 million that they had successfully grabbed from the U.S. taxpayer, from us, the U.S. taxpayer. They were making so much money, they had to start laundering it in other countries. Jacob was making plans to flee to Turkey. He, by then, he was friends with the Turkish president, Erdogan. So what were they doing with all this money? In Turkey, they bought the Mardan Palace five-star hotel, an airliner called Borajet. They had homes all over the place, like waterfront mansions in Huntington Beach, had like, I don't know, 70 properties all over Utah. They had Lambos galore. They had Bugattis. They, the cars were insane. Like, think about it, a Bugatti we're talking about a $2 million car. As Jacob and the Lion are making all of this money, how did Jacob's lifestyle change back at the order? Well, I remember when we first met Jacob, he was living in this old, old cabin with the rats and the snakes. He was wearing Wranglers. He had his Toyota Tercel until he got that Lambo as a gift from the Lion. All of a sudden, Jacob started to believe that he was the Lion, that he was a tough guy. He began wearing in his words, $600 pants, a $60,000 watch. He was traveling the world. He was dressing like a kingpin. He was storming around WRE, complaining about how the order was trying to take his money, saying, don't they know I'm the golden goose? So Jacob is no longer like this religious guy from the order. He is now more of a gangster. He is starting to look like 
Tony Montana, and the order is noticing, and they start to ask the Kingston brothers, Isaiah and Jacob, if they are donating as much as they should in tithings to the order, to the church. What's crazy about that to me is not only he is not only is Jacob a religious guy, but he's an engineering PhD. Like, there's nothing gangster about that guy. He's just a nerd, right? This is Walter White, basically. He he. It goes to some nerdy scientist's head that he's a gangster now. That's exactly what happened. It's really incredible to watch a, a metamorphosis like this. Like, this goes from this tall, gangly, quiet dude is a little, you know, unsure of himself to this messianic figure. Do they know who I am? I can clean grease. Yes. He was like, do, do you know who I know? Okay, so the whole thing kind of falls apart with an anonymous tip to the FBI. Where does that come from? The anonymous tip from the FBI comes from somebody who works in the Orders Bank. And she's seeing some, some of the funny money that's flowing around. She knows there's rumors around the Kingston clan that Jacob is making money hand over fist and living like a gangster. So someone tips off Utah officials to the cash flow. And she's doing that probably because she's being horribly mistreated by the order, right? Oh, she wants out. She wants to, you know, leave the order. They want to marry her off to her uncle. Who knows? There's a million reasons why a woman in the order might find a way to get out. And this woman clearly did that. The lion has been paying dirty FBI agents. So he finds out that they're starting this investigation into the biofuel business. And Jacob has his own FBI informants on his own payroll too. So they destroy a lot of evidence, but they know that the FBI is closing in on them. So everyone at this point is about to get arrested. It seems clear. How does that actually go down? So Jacob had stashed all this money in Turkey. He told his first wife, Sally, and a couple of their sons to meet him at the airport. They go there in disguises. Wait, so... When you have like so many children, how do you choose which kids you want to take with you to get out of the country? Yeah, well, that's a really good question. I don't know. And especially yeah. if you have 20 kids, how do you only pick two? That's what I'm saying. You and can't then take what them about all. The 14 grandkids. Yeah. You just leave those kids behind in the old cabin with the rats and snakes. Oh, so it's very hard. hard. Okay. So they're in the airport with their disguises. So obviously there's. Agents everywhere. They're fanned out. They're in plain clothes. They're waiting for Jacob. They don't want to move in until they see Jacob. They don't see Jacob. They panic. Oh, my God, where's Jacob? And then they realized that Jacob had flown in, so he didn't have to go through the TSA lines. He was waiting at the gate. He was about to board the flight to Amsterdam that would have taken him to Turkey when they spotted him on the gateway. He had been waiting on the gateway And they tackled him and took him down and took down his wife and two kids right at the gateway. You get on that flight. If you see someone tackled right before they got on the plane, I am not getting on that flight. You know what? I probably wouldn't get on that flight either. No chance. I don't know what's on that plane. No way. Okay. So they arrest the lion. They arrest Jacob. They they even arrest Jacob's brother, Isaiah, who's involved in the scheme. And they throw all of them into the same jail in Utah, which uh, that's got to be tense. It's very tense. Um, Jacob described it this way. The lion growled at him. Look at what you did. You took us all down. And Jacob finally spoke back. He claims he said, you ruined my life. And then he turned to Isaiah and said, how much money is left? And that's when they realized none. 
zero. The 133 million stashed in Turkey was going to be seized by the government. Everything else had been spent and they were broke. Broke enough that they had to hire one of their dad's wives to be their initial lawyer. When you have to hire one of your dad's wives as your lawyer, you, you know things aren't going well. That stinks. Yeah. But, but Jacob wasn't going to testify against the lion, right? It, not initially. It doesn't appear that Jacob was going to testify. But then there were some reports that were moving around the jail. The lion was going to be abruptly transferred to a worse jail than the one he was in and to the Salt Lake County Metro Center, which is like the dumpy jail. And there was a reason. And the reason that was written about in court, in jail records was Hannah. So remember Hannah, the third no. wife? I can't keep track of all the wives. That is a ridiculous thing to ask for me. Well, you're absolutely right. But Hannah was the young hot wife. Yes, okay. She was the young hot wife that he got after he started making money. Then Uncle Paul gives you the young hot wife. Ugh. So the young hot wife had gone on one of the many, many vacations that Jacob and the lion had taken together to go to Turkey and Istanbul. And apparently sparks flew because now they're all in the same jail, but officials at the facility were like, hold on a minute, this Hannah Tucker, she's visiting the lion. Uh, and at first they were alarmed that she might've been delivering messages. Like they were trying to communicate. Yeah. But no, no, no. Turns out that they were plotting to run away together. Oh, she was delivering a message. All right. She was. Hey now. That was the message. <laughs> so Jacob, who's, uh, I, I guess been one third cuckolded by the lion is now, uh, he, does he turn on him? You can draw a conclusion that perhaps Jacob's tune changed with the government when he realized... You don't steal one of a man's wives. You know, I mean, especially the young one. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay to steal the older one? Well, I guess in the order, look, the younger, the better in the order. So because of this betrayal, Jacob testifies against the lion. And then what happens to Jacob? Jacob got his comeuppance too, because somehow Jacob Kingston was transferred into a cell where his bunkie was a confirmed Satan worshiper who liked to read aloud from the <laughs> Satanic Bible. <laughs> That's not an accident. That's on purpose, right? They oh, bunked them together. come on. You have like yeah, this religious, okay. you know, because suddenly Jacob is no longer the Walter White of Biofuel, and now he's Dr. Jacob Kingston, yeah. the pious member of this oh. longstanding church community. That's hilarious. It's, there probably aren't that many Satanists. They probably had to dig him out of some other state and bring him in. All of this is still playing out in court. The lion is on trial. Jacob's on trial. The dirty FBI agent who was on the lion's payroll is on trial. And it's going to take a long time for this to work its way through the court. The Mobster and the Mormon was written by Michelle McPhee, and it's in the November issue of Los Angeles Magazine. Thank you so much, Michelle. The story is fantastic, and it's something only you could have written. That's what I love about it. I'm just, I'm glad there's still reporters like you who I feel like uh, could easily beat me up. Uh, well, thank you. I'm going to actually take that as a compliment, but I would never beat you up. This whole story just reminds me of how lucky I am. I have one sister, and she's great, but I couldn't imagine 127 of her. Three wives? You know how many times a day I disappoint one wife? Getting a graduate degree in engineering? It all sounds miserable. I can't imagine I'd want a Bugatti that badly, even once I find out what a Bugatti is. 
At the end of the show, what's next for Joel Stein? Maybe he'll take a nap or poke around online. Our show today was produced by Kate McAuliffe and Nisha Venkut. It was edited by Robert Smith. Our engineer is Amanda K. Wang. And our executive producer is Catherine Girardot. And our theme song was written and performed by Jonathan Colton. And a special thanks to my voice coach, Vicki Merrick, and my consulting producer, Lauren Zelaznik. To find more Pushkin podcasts, listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'm Joel Stein, and this is Story of the Week. Lee Baco is the sheriff of L.A. who was super corrupt, right? Well, I know he went to prison. Yeah. I walked into Barbara Streisand's house, and she had his number on, like, speed dial as number one. You're kidding me. No. You have to wonder why. I always remember that. We can't accuse Barbara Streisand of anything on this podcast. My mom would kill me. My aunt would have a heart attack. She would hate it if we said anything (laughs) bad about Barbara. Coming up on Story of the Week. And this is a big part of what attracted you to her, right? You were like, oh, "Oh, yeah. Are you kidding me? I mean, that's hot. Right. Tell me that's not hot. Totally. What a specific fetish you have. White savior. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. weird white savior <laughs> fetish. I'm just starting to realize that and feet. There's no Pornhub channel for that at all. <laughs> yes. That's right. <laughs> yes. Although, are we sure about that? The tradition of breaking tradition continues with the return of the unconventional awards from T Mobile for Business at Mobile World Congress. This is an event that celebrates innovators whose bold actions took their industries to new places. If that sounds like you and you're a T-Mobile for Business customer, enter today. If you win, you'll be publicly honored amongst some of the most influential leaders in industry. And me, I'll be there too. Enter now at tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. See you there. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.